Hi, Basam. It's Friday, and this is the Friday Show, your weekend football podcast appetizer. I must admit, it's nice doing these things when there's no midweek games. It kind of makes the Friday Show feel a bit less manic and feel a bit more relaxed, which is uh, which is nice. Joining me today to look back at the week that was, I've got down the line from LA, Mr. Leon Butler. Good morning, Leon. Good morning, Asan. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. My voice could be slightly croaky than normal, so apologies, but hopefully it'll warm up. Uh, oh, mate, you've got a proper Barry White voice, you have. <laughs> and uh, joining me down the line from Stockport, I've got David. Morning, David. Hiya, mate. You okay? Yeah, I'm very good. Or I should say afternoon, because it's afternoon where we are. It is, yeah. Excellent. Uh, right, listen, lads, I've got a couple of opening questions. Uh, first one is from Ryan Malley, who asks... Do programs like All or Nothing present a challenge to traditional journalism? Are national media journalists hypocritical for complaining that some things are censored whilst others are glamorized? Um, I guess he's talking about the proliferation of editorials that there's been this week about the All or Nothing documentary. Um, David, I'll start with you. Kind of, what's your what's your take? Not so much on the documentary itself, but the reaction this week in the media to it. Yeah, it seems this week's been a a little bit strange and a little bit different to the the initial kind of response to the documentary. Maybe that was because initially it was it was more city fans or, or city specific journalists who who caught up with it really early doors and maybe it's gone further afield now but um i think in particular simon hattonstone from um the guardian who says he's a city fan and but then re- regularly writes things that um suggest suggest differently um as again had his say um and yeah i, I think um the the response this week has been, has been different and there has been more kind of negative connotations to than than I properly expected really I think you know I, I think some have tried to overcomplicate it I think what we've got is City and Amazon doing a deal Amazon wanted more content and more um, insight than is usually available City were happy with that, but didn't want to obviously uh, release everything. And they've come to kind of a a happy medium. Um, I've I've seen the phrase uh, on Twitter, you know, it wasn't going to be a a panorama episode into life and times at Manchester City. But um, the insights there, and I think compared to everything else we've ever had in, well, probably not ever had, but everything else we've had recently in British football, definitely in the Premier League era, um, this is something that that should be celebrated. I, I, I don't think... I don't think we should want to know every single minute detail, but there was enough there, that, enough uh, thought-provoking and uh, uh, points that bring about uh, real discussion. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm surprised, again, probably me being a bit naive, but I am surprised that there, there's as much negativity as, as there seems to be. Mm. Um, Leon, do you think that do you think that this kind of the negativity that we've seen this week and that David has touched upon... Do you think there's a, a an element of jealousy involved in that Amazon were given access that most football journalists or people who cover City would be desperate for or would crave? And because that, that type of access has effectively gone to 
uh, a broadcaster outside of the football bubble. Do you think there's an element of jealousy involved in why, because of that, we're getting some criticism? Or is it just more the idea that, well, we should accept the fact that City are not loved outside of the City bubble and therefore a documentary that shows off how amazing we are and how amazing last season was, was always going to generate negativity. No, I think that's spot on. Yeah. I mean, I read a quote on Twitter. It said a biased opinion from the media frightened of what this means for their own futures. And, uh, you know, I thought that was kind of spot on, but I think what, what the feedback of the documentary has really shown us is that jealousy is huge and that's not us being you know city fans we try and be slightly impartial if we can but i've got friends who've watched it and enjoyed it because they they love the insight they love their football and you know it's there it's there to see we, we won the league easily we we scored um hundreds of hundred plus goals 100 points so it was there to see so you know everyone's aware how superior we were and the documentary sort of goes on to say that but I'm pretty shocked. I mean, Twitter's a, a difficult one to assess because obviously on Twitter, it's useful for the pod and it's useful for insight into fans' thoughts on that City, but it also gives everybody a voice. And a lot of those voices aren't really, aren't really yeah. worth hearing. So, so I think if you read Twitter, like us, you know, we, 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 we follow dozens of City fans who then, you know, follow other podcasts and other fans that... You don't quite get the full picture, but what I've been surprised about is the negativity surrounding the documentary. Because you know, the last documentary that was on TV of sort of any much worth was the Barry Fry. There's only one Barry Fry, like 20 years ago, and that was shocking. And that shows how far football's come. But that it's just no one, you know, no one likes change in football mm. you think, uh, and in, in the country. I think this has really, really um, shown that because people just, the jealousy and, and the adaption to change. Sorry, you were going to say. Yeah, it's for both of you, really. Do you think that there's, um, uh, one of the things that I find difficult to take with the criticism is that it's quite disingenuous. Um, and what I mean by that is, for example, you referenced the Simon Hattonstone piece. Um, and he complains that there's no footage of the fight between Edison and Mourinho after the Old Trafford derby. Presum- he, 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 he seems to imply that presumably that's because that's an, a bad, that would show City in a bad light. And therefore, that's why it wasn't in the documentary. Well, you know, I mean, it was pretty widely documented at the time that City, that United weren't going to allow the Amazon cameras into into Old Trafford. Now, I find it difficult to believe that Simon Hattonstone, who professes to be a Manchester City supporter, would not know that very relevant piece of information. And I find it even more difficult to believe that he doesn't know and then his editors don't know either. So, David, do you think there's an element of they're, they're actually purposefully being disingenuous to criticise it because if you're being honest about it, it's actually very difficult to criticise. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult one because you, you're spot on. That was that was well publicised. As soon as um, the press conferences were happening after that Old Trafford derby, um, the stories were out about um, 
the bus stop in the tunnel or at our dressing room, whatever it, whatever it was. Um, and the immediate response was such a shame that Amazon weren't there uh, to, to get it. I, for me, that is, I mean, it either looks like it's either incompetence or, as you said, it, it is being disingenuous, one or the two. Um, I... I'm. I'm not sure. I'm. I. I don't know which it is, but for me, that was that was well known. Um. So, it, it that you know, it's stuff like this, like basic stuff like this, where it makes you, it it fuels that fire about. I don't want to say the the agenda, the, the agenda, the, the agenda, but um. But you know what I mean, though. That is that's that's really basic stuff, and that to be included in a a, a piece in the national media, um, where. You know, some fans maybe who who aren't as um, close to City or don't take as much interest in City might think, oh yeah, well that's a good point. So City just uh, um, edited this out to suit their to, to suit themselves, when it's absolutely not the case. But then again, that's the power of the media and people just accepting what they read in the media rather than necessarily finding out themselves. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it's. I mean, I, I think it's difficult to. I, I, I try and I try and avoid straying into conspiracy theory territory when it comes to to the media uh because we on the podcast work with people in the media who we like and you know it's hard to get behind the idea that there's like you know people genuinely out to get city with the exception of duncan castles who's just a bellend um but i think that this week with the with the kind of the narrative around all or nothing I, i do feel like the mainstream media have have gone out of their way to circle the wagons and paint the documentary effectively as a piece of fluffy PR for City, which it is, but it also doesn't negate the fact that it's compelling viewing for anybody who's interested in football or in the Premier League, regardless of who you support. Um, And I think that They've kind of come down really hard on the side that uh, on the side of the fence that it's a PR piece, which to me is unfortunate because it takes it genuinely. Uh, it will stop people who could actually watch it and enjoy it from watching it. Um, and I've watched documentaries about other football clubs down the years, um, whether I support them or not. And I, I, I genuinely always find them interesting. So I'm interested in football. So, so yeah, that's uh, it, it. Does it, it is unfortunate? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The way that the um, the way that the negativity is kind of rolled out this week. Okay, from something a little bit negative to something a little bit more positive. Uh, this week was ten years of ten years ago. This week that Vincent Company signed for City. And my question for both of you: It's very simple. Uh, I'll start with you, Leon. Who should Vinny's testimonial be against and why? It's a good question. When I think of Vinny, I think of um, the derby. Um, His goals in the 14 season and then this season, which obviously (laughs) didn't go to plan, um, and his red card in in that cup game. But... You made an interesting, I don't want to spoil your answer, but you made a more interesting uh, option with the the, tw- the 11-12 title winners, with the 17-18 title winners. I mean, I think 
That's an amazing idea. And you um, could have you could have like Vinny Aguero and Silva play a half for each team, and it just exactly. No, you see, I think, but that that would only wind up the vultures even more. I think. <laughs> look at look at Man City; they're now playing each themselves at a testimonial. Um, but no, I mean, I I, I think for um, publicity and ticket sales, and he deserves it. I mean, in this modern era of footballers, I mean, what a guy! Um, he's hugely popular with all fans apart from calling a big head, but I've got a big head myself. So I sort of stick up for that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I think, yeah, I, I'd say, I know how would be upset, but a Derby, um, for Ooh, me, I like it. Interesting. Maybe the, uh, maybe we can bring back the demolition Derby team and, uh, and play them for a laugh. David, what about for you? Who, who would you like to see us? Who would you like to see playing Vinny's testimonial? I think it's, you know, naturally it's got to be all about Vinny. And so for me, you usually see um, kind of testimonials where they can bring back uh, teams that they've played for, played for previously. Mm. Um, I don't know how close he, uh, how much time he spent at Hamburg. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, but so the other option for me would be the Belgium national team. Um, if if that could be sorted, I don't know what the kind of international calendar looks like. I like um, it. Uh, but... City against the Belgium national team, KDB and um, Vinny playing a half for each. I think that could be quite good. A lot of Premier League players involved. Yeah, um, no, definitely. And it'd be a be a relevant game once it. There's still you know all players playing in the peak. Absolutely. I don't think we can. I don't think we can loan them KDB for a half though. They can have Vinny for a half, <laughs> but I think I think De Bruyne stays with us. Definitely I'll take that. De Bruyne yeah. stays with us. They've got loads of centre midfield players anyway. To be fine. Probably use him as a wing-back anyway, knowing Martinez. <laughs> Stick him in the centre of defence or something like that. Okay, um, we'll talk a bit more about Vinny um, a bit later. But uh, now we are going to have a little look back at the week. And as we do on every Friday show, we will start by looking back at last weekend's game. Um, Dave, me and you haven't talked about the Huddersfield game. Um, what does the effectiveness of that formation mean for... Asane, Sterling, and Mares. Should they be worried? Uh, no, not for me. Um, so when I when I saw the team, um, as everybody was trying to work out potentially what was going on, um, and after the first five minutes, it reminded me of Everton from last season. Everton away. Um, so in that game, it was it was slanted on the other side. So Laporte lined up at left back. Um, Walker right back and company and Otamendi uh, in the middle. Then that that was when we were without the ball. When we had the ball, um, it went to a back three. Walker pushed up really high on the right. Sane was on on the left side, and Sterling tucked him from the right to play in and around uh, Jesus. It was basically that form that formation that system, but flipped over to the to the other side. Now that's that's exactly what Mendy brings. Um so when you're looking at the right hand side and it was it was Bernardo, um I, I can see times where Bernardo will play centrally, especially with KDB's injury. Um and you can start Sterling out there. Um and then on the other side, for instance, I you know, I know Pep's spoken about um Mendy and has a bit of a concern about picking up a muscular injury on his way back from um an ACL recovery. Um so on the other side, you could definitely play like you did at Everton, play Sane out there um, and have Walker pushing up on the other side. I think what what it does is um, it, it's, it's 
it's such an interesting formation and one that we we haven't seen and it's it's great that there's a an option um or what seems like a viable option to um breaking down um uh, such a low block as as Huddersfield did um the fact that we can switch it either side the fact that Mares and Sterling, um, probably less so with Sane because we haven't seen it as much. But I still think both they they, they can all play either side. Plus, you could play St- uh, Sterling and Mares centrally. Um, it, it's such a it's such a good formation with with a couple of players really in half positions. Um, it's not that it's not the it's not so rigid as a a four three three or a normal three five two. You've got stones in that kind of half position of half right back half right center right center half of, of a three um it's just it's just different to anything we've seen and it, it worked really well at everton last season um and again so you know last weekend uh, spoke for itself definitely um leon was that performance if you, how does that performance rate for you? Because it's it's difficult. Early season performances, you, they tend to be patchy. You know, you tend to well, certainly after the after a big after a big tournament in the summer, um, early season performances tend to be patchy, and, and City don't seem to be playing patchy football at the moment. Um, so, just in general, how good was that performance in comparison to some of the better performances? from last season and then once you've answered that do you have any concerns at all about a mid-season dip so the idea being that you know we're flying because we've more or less picked up where we left off at the end of last season but that means that there will be a natural dip come as pep said the winter months winter is coming yeah i think the documentary really showed that 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 how much winter does affect players Mm. um but no, I'd say that I'm shocked. I'm shocked by how good we are already. I'm shocked. I thought we'd have a tricky start. The charity shield I was worried about. The Arsenal away I was worried about. It's frightening. The options he has at his disposal to me are frightening. And and like 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 kind of Twitter showed when he picked the team on Sunday, everyone was questioning it and uh, there was concern like what what's he up to? <laughs> Definitely. Have faith in Pep. I mean, we, we were incredible, and if we have a dip in the in mid-season, you know that that may well happen. But I wasn't expecting without a pre-season how good we are. I mean, you say where we left off, but most of our squad has been at the World Cup, so maybe that's kept them sharp. And maybe, yeah, there could be trouble far ahead. But I think we've just got a salute. Salute the side. And, and you know, KDB was such an influence in every match last year. He played every Premier League game, I think. And and we didn't miss him. We didn't miss him because we got so many options. And for St- Sane and Sterling and Mares, are they worried? I think the documentary, sorry to go back to that, but I think that shows that they're all kind of in it together. Mm. So there isn't this, this, I've talked about an earlier podcast I was on, that I was always worried about team spirit and how it works with players dropping out and coming back. And it does seem that that they all kind of work for each other. And apart from the odd sort of moan or, or tantrum, then it all kind of works. So I think 
we shouldn't be worried. I think the other 19 clubs in the Premier League should be worried. <laughs> and, I th- and I and I honestly, and just to, I'm sorry to bring the documentary back, but I think some of our concerns, and I will say I listen to the podcast all the time, was always about Aguero and Vinny and Pep. And, and, and they're not there. You know, Sergio is just a quiet, shy guy. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of stuff I think was misreported. So I think I think, and I'm moving away from the question. So sorry, but I just think that this team can go on and on and on. And I think the Premier League. You know, I'm I'm sure we'll have a few dips. I'm sure we'll have the odd bad game, but we've got so many options when it comes to formations, personnel, um, and and everyone just fits in seamlessly to me. I mean. Um, Laporte, I mean, looks unbelievable. Yeah, I think already. I think the point you make about Vinny and, and Aguero is actually a really important point. I think that you're absolutely right that over the last two years, there's been there's been conversations had about the value of both of those, and I think that what we've seen, I think what it shows just how good a coach and how good a manager Pep is that you know. There's this kind of, there's a, Pep's got a reputation for being really dogmatic and actually being quite brutal with players. Um, and if you, if you look for the criticism of Pep Guardiola from players that have played under him, generally the criticism when it is there, it is about his man management. It is about how he deals with kind of senior players who may be a little bit more set in their ways. But you, you see with Aguero and with Vinny that whatever their personal relationships between the two men, it's leading to them being better footballers. And uh, and I think that it's one thing for Pep to take young, hungry players who've got their eyes wide open and want to learn. I think it's a whole other thing to be able to take guys who've more or less won it all already and maybe feel like they're at moments in their career where they can maybe get a little bit complacent or maybe take their foot off the gas a little bit. And he's managed to motivate particularly Aguero to a point where the injury is definitely something to take into account. The fact that he says he's been playing with a knee injury over the last few years, but still you feel like he's, he's gone up a, a level under Pep. And I think that's huge. Um, hey, David, is it difficult to kind of, assess and and have conversations about city games when they are as good as they were against Huddersfield. Um that's an interesting question. I think it's um it's more fun discussing it. I, I spoke to um I, I spoke I, I got a couple of texts when the team came out and one was from a, a friend who's a Bolton fan and and he said he basically texted saying what on earth is that team and we had a bit of back and forwards, and um, he said it, it's as it's as interesting when the team comes out. That's as much of a game in itself, and then you've got the game itself, the game that um, the match that follows. Um, it's 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 an education. It is. It's. Um, it, I think I I feel like I when I watch watch City and I go to matches or whether you know some of the away ones on on TV, I feel like I, I learn watching it um, and. And that's great. And then when 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 it's educational, plus it's it's just it's brilliant to watch with some of the the most incredible football. It's uh, yeah, it's an absolute joy. Hmm. Do you think that we're better than last season, or is it too early to say? It's still it's too early to say for me. Um, but last last week Huddersfield gave me gave me real hope. I think that that um, that system 
looked uh, slicker than it did at the end of last season. Mm. Um, uh, maybe that's because of um, of, of Mendy's inclusion. Um, I don't. Maybe it's Bernardo uh, uh, starting the season really well. I'm not. I'm not sure. But that looks slicker to me, and that I I can see that formation um, and that system being used uh, quite regularly. Um, and so it. So that's definitely a good sign. That's that's definitely a positive. Whether whether we're fully better or not, really, I, I can't take loads from from Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, Maybe maybe up until kind of like the end of middle to the end of September, maybe a, a bigger kind of like sample size to go off. But the, I mean, really positive side uh, signs from from definitely uh, the Huddersfield game. Okay, um, last one on on uh, on Huddersfield and me tempting fate about how good we are, Leon. Um, <laughs> I've heard Pep say uh, regularly, repeatedly, over and over and over again that there's absolutely no chance that Manchester City will get a hundred points this season. Why? Why can't we get 100 points this season? No, I mean, there's no reason at all. I think, you know, if we carry on playing like we are, with obviously the likes of Mendy, uh, Back and Aguero on fire, that there's no reason we can't. I think he's just taking a bit of pressure off the players there. I think, you know, Pep's one to put pressure on, but he's also one to kind of sometimes play it down. And I think just by sort of coming out with that and saying there's no chance of that, just diverts everyone away from that topic of conversation because at this rate I can see us surpassing last year but but I think it's just an element of Pep just sort of taking the pressure off mm. um, for yes or no you don't really have to justify it um, do you think we can get within five points so do you think we can get to 95 plus yeah definitely okay um, David what about for you do you think that do you kind of buy into Pep's rigorous, there's no way we're getting 100 points again? Do you think he'll be saying, because it's interesting that we have the insight of all or nothing, where on the outside, last to a, in the kind of run-in last season, he was saying publicly, none of those records matter. The only thing that mattered was winning the Premier League. Um, whereas we know now from all or nothing that privately, he was saying, go out there and break all of those records. So bearing that in mind, do you think that on the inside of the public, there's no way we're getting to 100 points is actually the opposite where he's going, I expect you to get more than 100 points this season. I know you can do it. I agree with Leon. I think um, I think it is a, a, a publicly trying to take the pressure off. I think um, it also, I think he's trying to... Um, potentially increase the um the realization that of how good last season was um it was uh, maybe nationally it was it was clouded a little bit that i mean you're always going to get people who'll come up with excuses because of money spent or because of the other uh, candidates being poor or oh well you lost to liverpool and obviously liverpool got to the champions league final but um i think he's trying to highlight how how much of an achievement last season was but you, you're right i think um that's definitely something I took from All or Nothing was uh, uh, how much um, he hammered home about the, the records in that uh, auditorium for one of the pre-match talks. Um, so really, a lot of that he, he says in press conferences can can now you know be taken with a pinch of salt. So, I, but what I what the thing I do believe, uh, and that was a there was a it was a constant 
through um, last season in all or nothing and already this season is they are absolutely taking a, a game at a time um, and, and seeing where they're up to, um, you know, after each weekend. Mm. Um, I think there's a, a, a I, I like this word I've decided. I think there's a brutality to this City team and the way they, they play. I think that they're, they're incredibly unforgiving and that comes from, from Pep and the way he is and how brutal he is and how he, unforgiving he is with the players. Um, and, I, and I think that that's led us to this kind of machine that we are where really, I mean, th- it's probably a good thing what happened against Liverpool last season happened so that we feel that there is a, still a weakness in this team. Because, I mean, otherwise... You take those results out and you look at what happened last season and you look at how this, how we've kind of stepped into this season. And it's kind of brutal, man, because he really has turned, you know, may as well be Celtic. You can laugh about it, but he is turning, he is turning, he can and did last season turn the Premier League into Liga or the, 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 the Scottish Premier League. And I think he can do it again this season. I think that he's created a team that are, you know, I know there's people probably falling off their chairs going, stop tempting fate, Ace, and look, Wolves are going to beat us now. But I'm, <laughs> I really do, I, I really, this week, one of the things that has really kind of really hit home for me is I do believe that we are, I think it was watching Liverpool against uh, Palace on, on Monday night and coming away from that game, being really underwhelmed and going, you know what? I watched City play futuristic football against Huddersfield and that that I've just witnessed was not anywhere near what we do and I just I don't see in the league who can stop us right now maybe like you know I I don't mean like we can't lose a game but what I mean is that over a 38 game season right now I find it physically impossible to imagine any of those teams collecting more points than us because of the level that we've risen to under Guardiola and the kind of the brutality of the way in which we play. I mean, we was against Huddersfield for me. The thing is that it's very easy at three and four for it. And maybe in the past we have at three or at four taken our foot a little bit off the gas. But I think when it gets to three and four and you start bringing guys like Sane on who've got their own points to prove, you just, I mean, that's the idea of competition for places is that these lads might only get 20 minutes at the end of the game. We might be winning 4-0, but they all still want to score a goal. So yeah, I think that that's... That, that, go on. Sorry, Asan. I was just going to say, that's exactly what I was going to say about um, how we we really pushed on against Huddersfield. And I, I, that felt different to me. And I can't, I, I don't know, maybe it's just a feeling. I can't remember last season where there were... Where, where we really put a team to the sword um, and went on and attacked and attacked. And maybe it is because it's early in the season and the substitutes are, uh, are still keen to make an impact and have their own point to prove. But it did feel different to me, uh, Huddersfield, how they kept attacking. And, and really, after the after the sixth, we could have had um, 
a couple more as well. Um, and then it, chances that were missed first half and Aguero hitting the post. Um, it, it really could have been easily double figures. Um, and just on on Liverpool, I saw your tweets about Liverpool and I'm, I'm kind of in two minds about it because Palace for me, Palace away is probably outside the... The top six for me is probably the most difficult uh, away game that we'll we'll have um, this season. The way they set up, um, and we obviously struggled there last season. Bit of a different set of circumstances with the the quick turnaround time of games. But um, Liverpool looked to me like they were they looked like they were under pressure to me. Um, and whether that was playing Monday after we put in a, a good performance at the weekend um, and, and Chelsea had won as well, I'm, I'm not sure. Or maybe Palace deserve credit for that. But um, that, that's the, the feeling I got with Liverpool, that they, they looked under pressure. And I completely for, agree. For that, that early in the season is, um, I don't know, maybe that's not the, the most positive sign. Obviously, they, listen, they got the win. So uh, credit to them for getting the win because top teams, top six teams will will drop points at Palace. But um that that was interesting for me. They um, it didn't look like normal Liverpool to me. And no, they I, are. I, I, I bet that's pressure. I, they are under pressure. I had a, a I had an exchange with uh, one of the lads off the Anfield rap on Twitter um, about ten days ago, where I said that I I've I've seen in Klopp's press conferences pressure. I he strikes me as a manager who kind of wishes. The media would stop talking about all the money that they've spent and the media would stop talking about them as title challengers. I don't think he likes what that... I don't... In a way, I don't blame him because from the from the outside, it's really annoying for us to look at the Liverpool hype. But from the inside, it's actually quite a dangerous thing because, you know, the, the pendulum can swing in the opposite direction just as dramatically and you know for right now we as city fans are bristling going man look at all this you know ridiculous liverpool hype but the flip side is also true we know the british media they in in september i believe that they play spurs uh united and chelsea over three weeks right now Let's say for argument's sake that they don't win two of those games or they lose two of those games. I think that the knives will come out just as quickly from the media. So I think that the pressure that that the side are feeling is a pressure that Klopp is feeling. And I think it comes from the spending and the expectation that the media are generating. Um, But tough titties, I mean, you know, that's what you get for being... uh, a club that has so many media mouthpieces. Uh, okay, well said, yeah. uh, let's move forward. Sorry, Leon. Um, I've got uh, I got a little bit of a nice one for you here. Ten years of Vinny. I want you to give me your best memory of Vincent Company. I've stitched myself up there because I've already kind of given that. Because I mean, I, I just think that the goal against United at home. In the uh, 13 14 season, uh, his celebration, when we've seen it a few times, uh, his celebrations um, is what I always kind of picture Vinny. I mean, unfortunately, it had been watching from the sidelines uh, with an injury the last couple of years. But no, I think those two Derby games, obviously, one again, the ill fated one this year, 
but yeah, that 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 will go down in 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 my memory. Okay. Those two derby headers. I mean, and and also just just the way he's led the back all the way through, the way he's been he's been a shining light of the new Manchester City. You know, like you say, we've had a lot of criticism, and I think no, I've never really seen any criticism apart from his big Swede like myself. I've never seen I've never seen anyone say a bad word against Vincent Company. Yeah, a bit like David Silva, you just don't see it, and I think that's really helped us in these past 10 years. Now, I know you've asked for a, a specific memory, but I think Zabaleta, Silva, Aguero and company are really what's shuts everybody up because you can't, you know, they're big players. You can't knock them. They've done an amazing job. They're great leaders. And, um, and consummate professionals, I think is exactly. Is and I think that's really helped for. us. Yeah. I think that's really helped us in these past 10 years. Yeah, definitely. Um, David, what about for you? Yeah, the, the, um, it's difficult to get away from that um, derby, uh, you know, with uh, a few games left left of the season, just because the the hype leading up to that game, the pressure on the game, um, the noise when the the ball hit the back of the net is is still um, probably the loudest. Um, I can really remember the Etihad. I struggle to remember the the Aguero um, moment. So that's that's probably the the one for me. Um, the other thing, the other one that kind of sprung to mind for me was um, one of his many comebacks. But it was, uh, I seem to remember it being quite um, uh, a prolonged um, absence. Um, he scored away at Southampton, a header, um, and again it was that similar kind of celebration in front of the of the city fans. Um, and it's, it's with every goal you see how much it means to him. The 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 the, the Carabao Cup final against Arsenal, the you know the second goal which really secured the game, um, it is you just see how much it means to him to be out on the pitch and to um, to, to to score to, to keep a clean sheet, whatever it may be. It, it, it probably the the injuries and the amount of time he's he's missed um, makes each moment even sweeter. Um, so uh, yeah, I prefer to pick one from from when he's when he's actually been on the pitch. Um, and so if we, if the derby one's already been said, I'll, I'll I'll go for that Southampton way where he scored. Okay, excellent. Um, moving what about forward. you, Asan? Sorry to jump you off. What about you? You know, for me with Vinny, I, I don't think that I can pick out one particular goal. I think that what you said about him being so important to the club after the takeover, I don't think that that can be overstated enough. I think that we've been in a very precarious position with respect to our relationship with the footballing establishment and with the media since the takeover. And I certainly think that within the early days, there was, you know, a, a real risk of us alienating the entire establishment to a point where we really became hated. And I think that what having having Vincent Company as your club captain, what it meant was that there was a public face and figure of the club who was so intelligent and so articulate that he transcended what it meant to be a footballer. And having that put forward as a representation of the Abu Dhabi era of Manchester City 
was something that was so important, I think, in in the early day. In fact, th- th- throughout the entire 10 years, because the reality is that the ups, that the downs have been there with the ups, even through this 10-year period. There's been plenty of periods where, you know, having, being able to, to wheel Vincent Company out to talk articulately uh, has been really important. And I think on a personal level for me, uh, it's it seeing him talk with intelligence and with passion about issues away from football, uh, yeah. seeing yeah. him uh, engage in conversations about politics, about um, social issues. I, I think that, again, you know, that transcends being a footballer. And I feel proud that we have had and have a captain who is intelligent enough to be able to have those conversations and to be respected by figures not just within football, but outside of football as well. Um, yeah, so I, I think that that's my, that's how I see Vincent Company. Uh, I, I just feel very proud to to have had him as the club's captain throughout what has been the most successful era in my lifetime and maybe in, in, in the club's entire history. And, and certainly in years to come, it, it may well prove to be the most successful era in the club's entire history. Um, yeah. Okay. Hey, hey. And I think he'll, he'll be a pundit to match as well, which will help us in years to come, I think, as well. Yeah, definitely. If, if, he, goes, if he goes down that route, of course. Hey, quickly then, uh, he's got a year left on his contract. Uh, David, I'll start with you. Just a simple yes or no. Uh, would you want him to stay at the club uh, at the end of this 12-month contract, even if it meant giving him another playing contract? At the moment, yes. I don't think uh, I, I don't want to see him play elsewhere, and I think he would still continue his career, so yes. Okay. Liam, what about for you? Definitely, yeah. I, mean, I don't want to see him going to West Ham for the, the last few se- seasons of his career, so yeah, 100%. Yeah, me, I think me, I think he'll join the coaching staff as well, possibly. Sorry. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I want him to I want him to end up in coaching at City. Um, I think that he we should make an exception for Vincent Company in the sense that I think he should remain our fifth centre back until he decides that he doesn't want to play football anymore. Should be that simple. I know he's a competitive guy, and I know that you know there's probably a part of him that still thinks he can play every single week at the very, very highest level, and maybe he can. But uh, I think as City, we should be selfish. We should give him a new contract and just say, "Sit down, Vinny. You're not going anywhere." Uh, okay, let's talk about Mr. Benjamin Mendy. Um, so Sam Lee's done a piece in goal, which uh, implies that there's a little bit of concern around. Uh, Mendy's off-field activities uh, for Pep. David, thoughts? Is this something that we should be worried about? Um, at, at this stage, no. Um, I think that the, the tone of Sam's piece was interesting and, and the fact that um, there was, a, there was a, a mention in there about him moving away from central Manchester to, to the outskirts and he's kind of taken that on board. Um, the little bit of re- responses on social media that he's given to Pep's quotes and um, he put, a, um, I don't know whether he saw, he put a, a picture on with the um, with the fitness coach for the training session saying that he was slipping him some money so he could still use his phone in yeah, and around yeah, the ground. Um, so 
that is his it, that's his personality um as long as it doesn't um impact on performance as as always um then I, i'm not particularly concerned yet um I think he started the season really well, and you know we we shouldn't get away from that. The the probably the the most concerning thing for me um, in in the piece was the the fact that he turned up late um, to to training. I think it was prior to the Arsenal game. Now, like that's not great. Do do kind of what you want in your spare time. Don't let it impact on performance. But um, I, I personally don't like that turning up late to um, like training or. Uh, pre-match meeting, team talk, whatever it may be, um, that's a li- that's a little bit of disrespect to your teammates for me. So um, hopefully that was just a one-off and there were different circumstances surrounding it. But um, it's not a concern for me yet, no. Okay. Leon, what about for you? I mean, I think we've got to put it into perspective a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think everything yeah. Sam does and covers is, is great. But I think when we're thinking about Balotelli and Joey Barton and... Uh, boozers and womanizers before that i think we've got to take it into perspective that a proportion that mendy tweeting a bit too much or being a bit overexcited is it shows how football's changed for sure that's what we hear about um but i think there's no worry at all there i think you saw despite being out for most of last season how much he's loved how much he took city to his heart straight away and how um and what an influence he is, positive, you know, shark team thing. I think, like I say, compared to the past and 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 the documentary really helps with the, some, some things like particularly Mendy. I think there's not a concern at all. Okay. Not at all. Um, I got to slightly disagree with both of you. I, I, I love Ben Mendy, don't get me wrong, but he can't be turning up late to to Guardiola training sessions or team meetings because that will not last very long at all before Pep just fucks him off. Um, I think that of all the coaches in the world whose authority you don't mess with in that manner, it's Guardiola's. I think when when Pep puts such an enormous influence on... uh, Enormous... uh, influence what's the word i'm looking for here my mind's suddenly gone blank it's so important the collective is so 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 important you can't have players who think that the rules don't apply to them and i'm not saying that mendy thinks that the rules don't apply to him but i'm saying if the club have had to step in and make him move out of town because they feel his mates are a bad influence and they feel that it's a distraction then I think that that's not a good thing. I think that Ben Mendy should be aware enough of just how little football he played last season and how important a moment this is in his career. Um, so, yeah, I I was a bit disturbed when I read that piece, to be honest with you. Uh, I hope that he sorts his head out super, super, super quickly. And I hope that in a couple of weeks, Sam writes a piece where he says that he's completely turned his attitude around and he's not, he's been the first one to every team meeting. Um, because yeah, I just, I don't, I, I wouldn't mess with Pep. I wouldn't mess with his authority. You only need to look at what he's done to hugely talented players who have messed with his authority. You know, he just. I, so I agree with you a hundred percent, but his performance on Sunday 
you know, I know, I know it's not everything these days, but you know, he was unbelievable. I thought. Oh no, totally. But I think that you know, uh, Pep sold Torre, sold Eto, he sold Ronaldinho, he sold Deco. He, he, Pep can see a decline coming before. Yeah, we can yeah, see no, it no, coming. No, that was a, that was a, that's a very good point. And yeah. secondly, uh, it, it never mind a decline. If you just don't buy into what he's doing, if you don't buy into that collective, if you don't respect the the idea of the collective, then you get the Ibrahimovic treatment. I mean, Ibrahimovic was a close to 100 million euro deal back when nobody did 100 million euro deals. And he lasted a year and Pep just shipped mm. him out. Didn't matter. Because yeah. in the end, yeah. he was like, no, nah, I'm not having that. So I just think it's really important that for, for all of our positivity about Mendy and... Um, all of Mendy's kind of youthful exuberance that mm. somebody just pulls him aside and says, make sure with Pep, you don't cross a line because yeah. I feel as though Pep's one of those guys where you only need to cross that line once and he'll just cross your name out. And yeah. that's a worry with a guy as talented as, as Mendy. Um, David, yeah. do, you think I'm, do you think I'm going too far there? No, you know, he's got, Pep's got previous and there's something, the professionalism is, is really important to him. But um, I, I, like you, I hope that this has been kind of nipped in the bud early. Um, mm. He's almost he's almost on the crest of a wave, isn't he, with uh, his, his comeback last season, played a couple of games, got the um, 100 points, won the Premier League, then played a bit in the World Cup, won the World Cup, and it's kind of like, his, his, his mind's blown by it all, to be fair. Um <laughs> But and now he's he's played a couple of games and he's kind of like being reminded. Yeah, no, you are a professional footballer and um, this is your job. And I, as I said, you know, people. He, you've got to remember, he's he's come from abroad to to live in Manchester. Um, if Pep's uh, team feel that it's best that he lives outside the the centre, and he's taken that on board. Um, I, I think it, there's enough that you see from from Mendy to suggest that he loves life at City. He, he feels like he's learning for learning under Pep. Um, he gave an interview, I think it was after the the Huddersfield game, where it was he was talk, again he was talking with that with that youthful exuberance, and he was just loving being back on the pitch. And you know, I think you know you have to give um, certain players potentially a little bit of of, of leeway um, where it doesn't compromise the whole squad um, yeah. he may be one of them um, but no I, I'm as I said I, I'm hoping this is just kind of nipped in the bud early and um, we move on and he concentrates on football I think he's already got a little bit of leeway just to be yeah. to be fair yeah. I think that I think he's he's al- he, he already gets away with shit that I don't think most players would get away with with Pep uh, and it, it does come down to, to his kind of positivity in and around the dressing room which I do think Pep thinks is really important. So, well, there was that there was that bit in the in the documentary. Hopefully, it's not a spoiler alert, but where um where he, he said basically um I can't remember the game, but he was saying about how everyone was was tired and feeling low, and Mendy told Pep, "Don't worry, boss, I've got this." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally. In terms of lift, lifting everyone in the dressing room, and that you know, there's a there's a lot to be said for that role as well. Absolutely, no, absolutely. Uh, right. So we are, as we do each week on the Friday show, we are going to end the Friday show by previewing uh, a Premier League game before we preview City's game. Uh, This week, we're going to preview Burnley against Fulham, uh, which is on Sunday because Burnley had a Europa League playoff game last night, which they lost against Olympiacos. Um, 
I don't think that we've spoken about Burnley so far this season. Um, I know that, uh, David, you talked about Fulham on our League Matters show, which we do on the 9320 player. Um, so you can talk about Fulham in a second. But just looking at it from Burnley's point of view, uh, what do you think would be Burnley's expectations this season? Dave, I'll start with you. It's a, it, it, yeah, it's a difficult one. On League Matters, again, we had a discussion and there were a couple who potentially thought that they they may may struggle um, and maybe even in a, a relegation battle. And I had a look after the um, after recording that podcast and it surprised me how little strength in depth they had in midfield. They're basically, considering they play five in midfield, they've, got, they've currently got five fit midfielders mm. um, in their first team squad. Now, if you're adding Europa League uh, football to that, um, it's that 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 is a, that is a real big issue. Um, James correctly predicted that they'd get beat last night to Olympiacos, uh, which they did. So it may be that they played what would be eight games and and to not even qualify. Um, you know, with a with a small squad, especially a small um, midfield. That that could definitely come back to bite them later in the season. I think ideally they wanted to be in the they want they clearly wanted to qualify for the group stages of the Europa League. See how far they went with that, and I, I think mainly um, just be comfortable in the Premier League. I think they've almost could have almost sacrificed the Premier League season not, not to get into a relegation battle, but not to be trying to hit the heights of sixth or seventh as they were looking last season because of the European run. Um, if they don't make that, then that's um, that potentially needs reevaluating. But as as I said, you look at the squad and they've got three kind of England international goalkeepers. They've got a uh, a number of um, a number of defenders. Obviously, they brought Gibson in for big money from um, from Middlesbrough, and that was that was their that was really important for them last season. The the, the backline, but now they've got five fit midfielders um, and 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 up front. Um, I mean, goals are concerned. After after Chris Wood, the, the the standard really really drops. Is that and really realistic though? What you've just said then to have any kind of a run in the Europa League with a squad that's that's that weak. You, you see the point no, I'm I, making here. Like yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit lost as to what like. But I, I think Burnley is shite, right? I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows that. I don't particularly rate Sean Dyche, although he, you know, did a good job last season. Whatever, um, but. For me, they absolutely have got the potential to get relegated this season. I think they've not got a squad strong enough. They've not got a Premier League quality squad, in my opinion. If you look at the business that they've done this summer, they brought in a, a championship centre-back in Ben Gibson and they brought in a championship uh, forward in, in uh, Matthias Vidra from, from Derby. Um, Leon, what do you think? Like, am I... Am I wrong in... Am I being really harsh? And is, is Sean Dyche actually that good that they can have a go at the Europa League without getting relegated. No, no, I think they're kind of a, a right said Fred one season wonder for me. I think <laughs> go on, <laughs> but they, they did well last season. That, I mean, we see it often, don't we? We see small clubs, smaller clubs um, having a great season. I think Newcastle, to Newcastle fans hate me, they're not a small club, but, you know, Pardew had them, uh, had a great season with them and I think Dyer's had a great season and they overachieved last season. So, I think Europa League will stretch their resources and they'll really struggle this season, like you say. And I think um, Fulham have had a terrible start, but I wouldn't know how to call this game uh, this Sunday. Um, but Burnley are strong at home. I think 
they'll go on to they'll carry on being strongish at home. Okay, but I've but I I, I don't think they're going to have the season they had last season. And I'm pretty much with you. I think like Liverpool, once you're a darling of the media like Sean Dyche, that that it, everyone just gets carried away. And I think you know he's done a decent job, just like um, you know. Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, he's done a decent job, but let's not get carried away. I think Eddie I mean, Howe's done a much better job than Sean Eddie Dice, Howe, Eddie Howe. No, no, I, yeah, and I and I agree with that. But I just think it, it all got overhyped last season. Yeah. You know, he beca- he's become a bit of a caricature, hasn't he? And and he gets on with a few, you know, some of the press. And yeah, I mean, I think they're going to struggle. Mm. I don't think they'll go down, but I think they're going to be right down there. And I think, you know, like I said, Europa League will really uh, test their resources, even though they could be out in a week or yeah, next week they could be out. Um, so, David, is this a relegation six-pointer already? Um, no, not for me. Um, I, I think both will be okay. Um, we were, I was part of the Happy Clappers Fulham crew on um, on League Matters. Um, yeah, I, I think Fulham will be uh, absolutely fine. I think you know that a. You can pick out a few fixtures and and say they're potentially six pointers this early in the season, but we are we are two games in, um, and we need to remember that. I think um, I, I don't see this as a as as a as a six pointer this early on. Okay. I think I think Burnley's start is it. Don't get me wrong. It's it's they've had a worrying start, and the fact that they've got a. a a mountain to quote overcome for the second leg against Olympiacos to actually qualify for the Europa League is is a concern. Um, and I, I actually expect Fulham to to win at the weekend. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think I, I if I if I had to pick a winner in this game, I think because of the fact that Burnley have played in Olympiacos and lost uh, in midweek, I think it's very difficult to then get yourself going on the Sunday. And I think the flip side, Fulham having played two games, conceded five, only scored one. I think there's a little bit of pressure on Jakanovic, um, and I, I expect them to. Uh, yeah, I expect them to react this weekend and and actually get the win as well as the... I thought against Palace on the opening day of the season, I thought they were really good, but it was a valuable lesson for them to get. You know, the reality is that it, it reminds me... And I can't believe that I've, I've never... I'd, up until Pep's first season in charge, I'd never really thought about football like this but really it's about what happens in the boxes and I think that the Premier League is such an unforgiving league in both boxes and I think that Fulham should and will have learned that from that first game against Palace where for me the 25-30 minutes they're absolutely all over Palace and they're much the better side and playing the better football and they look like a Premier League side and and Palace maybe look like a side who were defending for their lives and had just come up but then you know Go, they Palace break. They've got Benteke and Zaha. Bang, goal over. Yeah. If you're not yeah. clinical, if you're not if you yourself are not clinical when you're attacking, and you're not absolutely clinical defensively in the Premier League, you get found out. And I think that will have will have been a valuable lesson for for Fulham. What what happened in that Palace game? Um, but yeah, it I, was I, a, it, go on. Sorry, Asan. It was the same against Spurs, actually, where they they got back um, and, and equalised, and they Absolutely. had a couple of chances, uh, uh, one each, to to take the lead at Wembley. And they, uh, Mitrovic, especially, missed a, a really good chance from just inside the box. And and obviously against a top team, um, you, you're always liable to to concede after that. And uh, and they did. 
you're, you're spot on. It is about being clinical in both boxes, but they've, they've shown enough. I think they're two really difficult games to start with. Um, Palette, as I said about um, Palace against Liverpool, the way they set up is is difficult for any team. And, you know, they're a progressive team for them. So if you don't break, if they can't break Palace down uh, at home, they are liable to be hit on the break. And then away at Spurs as well um, is, is always is always tough. So, um yeah, I, I think I think put into context that they've had two difficult fixtures there. Um, they've they've shown enough performance for me to think that they'll be okay. Okay, excellent. Right, let's talk about Wolves and City. Um, Leon, what do you make of Wolves' uh, start to the season so far? Similar to Fulham, they've not won yet. Um, would you say they're in the same boat as Fulham in that there's nothing really to worry about and that they'll they'll eventually get their shit together? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe we've lost Leon. Maybe he's had enough. He's gone back to sleep. David, what do <laughs> yeah, you make to, to what do you make to Wolves' start to the season? Yeah, they're um, they're, they're going to be fun this season. I think um, they again they 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 probably should have beaten Everton um, once they've had so long um, playing against ten men. I think that they. Again, almost like the, the the pressure got to them a, a, a little bit of like, well, we're in the Premier League now and we've got to be the progressive ones against a, a team at, at, with 10 men and we're playing at home. Um, but in, in effect, I think that was a decent point on the opening day. Um, Leicester away was 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 more disappointing. Um, but they're, they're good. They, they, I like their I, I like the formation. I like some of their players. I, I'm a, the, the back line concerns me a little bit. Um, I'm not sure they're as strong as the back, uh, the back as um, uh, as they need to be. Um, but they'll be good fun. They play decent football. They'll score goals. Um, and they'll be involved in, in entertaining games. I, I think, again, similar to Fulham, I think I think they'll be fine. I think they may, may be pushing on to try and get into the top half um, at the end of the season. Interesting. Do you have a problem with the whole Mendes connection? <laughs> It's um, no, I don't personally. I think um, I, I remember hearing this this discussion on a a, a pod previously, and um, I think there were quite a lot of um, self righteous people who, uh, who it's as we discussed earlier about changing football. Um, what what do Wolves fans want? They've had a they've had a great season last season um, with. Uh, which resulted in them winning the the championship. They're back in the Premiership. The, the team spending money. They've got some some uh, really interesting players. Um, as a fan, that's you know that that's what you want. It's not for um, a journalist who doesn't like um, potentially doesn't like the agent involved or you know doesn't like that it's not completely holistic. Um, to that, their opinion really doesn't matter. What is it's the, the Wolves fans are the are the important ones here. Um, and I bet they're loving life. So yeah, yeah no, it's, yeah. It's, listen, it's less than ideal. Obviously, you, you, it's it's not it's not the ideal um, circumstances for for Wolves fans. But listen, what they've got is a is an exciting team, um, a, a good manager, um, and they're going to be entertaining this season. So yeah, no, I completely agree. I, I, I as I said on that podcast that you listened to, I I don't really understand what I don't really understand what people are even criticizing them about. I mean, what they've signed loads of Jorge Mendes players and people are saying, well, you know, one day he's going to sell those players again for a huge profit and Wolves is just a shop window. So asked that's every football club outside of the top four, even 
and even some of the top four have to sell players when the players go, I want to go. So what, you know, I just, I, the, the entire argument that somehow it's, it's unethical is just very, very, very baffling for me. Um, I believe that Leon might be back with us. Leon, are you back with us? I'm back. I'm back. Apologies, guys. That's all right, mate. That's all right. You should just, you should have Why just said not? you needed a little power nap. We'd have we'd have let you have a little power nap. Uh, so, what do you make to Mr. Ruben Neves? He has was linked with City last week by the Sun. Was linked with City by me two weeks ago. Um, is he good enough to play for City? In your opinion? Sorry, I lost you. I'm back. Sorry. Uh, Ruben Neves, I asked you about. Yeah, I think we've. Uh, I think. I think Leon's having serious issues here. So, David, I'll go back <laughs> to you. David, Ruben Neves, thoughts? Yeah, I um, I like him. I think he's uh, he's really he's an all round. He's probably a bit of a, of a throwback of a of an all round um, centre midfielder. Um, he he's expected to to do a lot of work um, alongside Moutinho in a in a midfield too, but he is the traditional box to box at the moment. Um, naturally, you get the the Hollywood stuff from outside the box, which he's uh, he's prone to. A lovely free kick against uh, Everton. Um, yeah, he's. It, uh, he, I expect him to have a really, really good season. And you know, as we said about Mendes, it wouldn't surprise me if he um, if he really um, impresses and and does get a a move in the summer. If that's what if that's what he wants um, at the end of the season, I I, I think there's a, there's a there's a real player there. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if uh, some of the traditional bigger clubs will um, make him sniffing at the end of the season. Yeah, I think he he, he kind of feels like the perfect Pep player for that position um and i'm reliably i'm reliably informed that one of the reasons that the zinchenko move fell through is because when they were asking for zinchenko at the end of the window that city went back and said we want ruben neves and that basically shut that conversation down because they mendez had made a promise to wolves that neves would not move this season that he'd stay with them. Interesting. Mm. Uh, Leon, are you back? I'm back. Apologies, guys. It's all right, Sorry. mate. All that, all that fancy LA technology, but you can't get Skype to work. Love it. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the Wi-Fi is shocking here. Shocking. Yeah, definitely. Um, right. What do you make of Ruben Neves? Have you seen much of him? I, if I'm honest, I haven't. I put him in my fantasy league team, um, but I haven't seen that much of him. I, I know a lot more about Fulham. Um, what, after watching them pre-season, obviously they're quite a local club to me. Mm. But I mean, I, I've seen glimpses of him and he's exciting. I can see him suiting City. Okay. But I think, again, you know, everyone in Fantasy League jumps on cheaper players who've had a good game. But I think, you know, that, but there's a long way to go. And I think uh, let's sort of track him between now and January. Um, Whoever's got the holding midfielders in our scout report show better have Ruben Neves on their shortlist, otherwise I'll definitely be having words with them. Exactly. Uh, he's in, he's in Asan, don't worry. Excellent, excellent, excellent. <laughs> um, okay, from City's point of view, uh, how do we approach the Wolves game tomorrow, David? And what I mean by that is it's very difficult to predict Pep's formations and tactics, and it's also... 
he's not the type of manager where you go, it worked last weekend, so he's going to do it again this weekend. Um, bearing in mind that they play with a three at the back, can you see that making Pep stick with what he did last weekend? You want to have a guess, or do you think that the wingers come back? Um, yeah, I'm going to have a guess that the um, that the wingers come back. I think we go back to a four three three with Mendy and Walker as fullbacks. Uh, potentially, Mares and Sterling on um, playing inverted. Um, so Sterling on the left, Mares on the right, which allows space for for overlapping um, for Mendy and for Walker. Um, they're they're not they're not going to sit back as much as as Huddersfield did. Um, they 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 will still try and be progressive. Whether they can against us, I, I don't know. Um, but I I think they're potentially a bit more of a um a, a threat on the break. And I I don't think it'll be that that game that we've seen so often from um uh, so often the city come up against with such a low block. And can we try and you know? find a hole in it to, to break through and then, you know, we'll see where the game goes from there. I th- I think this will be a, uh, slightly different and, I I mean, I'm sure Pep will probably make me look stupid in about 24 hours' time, but my, my guess is uh, 4-3-3 with um, the wingers back and just probably just Aguero up top. Okay. Um, Leon, any worries about complacency uh, or do you think the first two performances have kind of put to bed? the risk of any, the idea of any complacency. And I'm talking specifically about this, this early part of the season before the first international break, where I felt coming into this, this part of the season was almost the most important in that I felt we needed four out of four. We needed 12 points. We needed to say at the rest of the league, we are, if not better than last season, certainly at the same level. Um, so yeah, just bearing that in mind, I, looking at how the first two games have gone, how do you feel this game's going to unfold tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to worry about complacency, particularly after watching uh, Pep on the documentary and seeing a bigger insight. I mean, it was a bit brenty at times, but I mean, I can't, I don't, I'm not worried about complacency. And I think the way he's changed the team already in the, in the sort of two stroke three games we've had, that competition for places will alleviate any kind of complacency. I mean, I personally think Leroy will play on Sunday. Mm. Um, I mean, again, I listen to these podcasts every week and it's the hardest part of it is to predict the team because like, we can all look slightly foolish. But I think Leroy will play and I think um, Wolves play football and I think it will be more open than some of the sort of bottom half teams in the table mm. um, and I think it will suit, uh, suit us and I think I don't think it'll be an easy game I think last year in the uh, Carabao Cup I think you know Wolves showed us what a good side they were um, but I think Premier League uh, is a different um, kettle of fish when it comes to playing City and I think um, it will be a, it will be a tightish cagey first half possibly I, but I think we'll, we'll come good and I think as I say, I think Leroy will play. I'm not sure how he, where he's going to play Sterling or Mares or Gundogan. I know Gundogan gets a bit of criticism, but I think he'll be a fixture, uh, a permanent fixture in this early part of the season for me. Mm, I think that um, uh, Pep has said in his press conference uh, in the last hour or so that Fernandinho began the week with a little bit of a muscular problem. Uh, and he kind of alluded to the fitness of the squad in general in terms of saying that, you know, 
because it's been such a short preseason and the World Cup players had to come back early, there are a lot of muscle small muscle issues he described them as and then he said Fernandinho had a small issue at the start of the week but he trained yesterday um David is that a worry for you um no not 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 particularly I don't I'll have to see the kind of context that he, he he answered um to whatever question it was basically um because it's not some I'm I'm sure there were niggles throughout last season um that, that didn't get mentioned in press conferences so um I I expect Fernandinho to play um if he's if he's trained yesterday and and presumably he'll train today um I I expect him to play um I think we're going to get these niggles and I think you know there's a, there's a lot of teams are going to suffer from um a shortened, uh, a shortened preseason after the World Cup, um, but I think these these early matches are important in terms of managing that. And whether we saw that against Huddersfield with Sterling and Walker um, not starting, um, that, you know, there's a, potentially an argument for that um, that we're not overloading the the players who went deep into the World Cup. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I've got a sneaking suspicion that. Somebody else plays at number six tomorrow. I think that uh, if Ferner has had a niggle, I think the worst thing that could happen would be an unnecessary injury. And for me, an unnecessary injury is exactly the type of injury that you're likely to pick up when you've missed two or three days of training, you've been at the World Cup, you've had a tough summer, and you get thrown in on the Saturday. And I'd be very surprised if Pep says he had a muscle issue over the first couple of days of the week. Uh, he trained yesterday and then throwing him in tomorrow. Um, I kind of, part of me wants to say that Gundogan will play at six. Part of me wonders whether this might be the moment that we try stones there because Vinny no, and Laporte yeah. played. But yeah, I, I think maybe if there's any type of issue, I just think that Fernandinho is the one player whose fitness I wouldn't take any risks with uh, when you're playing so er certainly so early in the season uh, and certainly when you're playing in a situation where he, you've made it so public that he's the one player that you wanted backup for and you didn't get backup for him. Um, it kind of becomes a little bit of a double whammy because... You do, if you then say in the press conference before the game, he's not been right first part of the week, and then you play him, and then he picks up an injury. It's just, it's one of those things that with hindsight can can generate a negative narrative very, very quickly. So I think maybe Ferner will... Uh, We'll get a rest. Um, I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair point. But I just wonder whether um, the Newcastle game the week after at, at home to Newcastle may be a better. Um, that may be a better opportunity to um, try. You know, what you're saying about trying something, whether it's Stones or Delphi, whoever. Um, I, personally, I would just prefer trying something in a home game against a a, a team like Newcastle. Um, I think I think tomorrow's game could be could be difficult in parts, and I think Fernandinho could be important. But granted, if it depends how the level at which he's trained. If if Pep's happy, he's hundred percent. Then um, for me, he should start. Okay, fair enough. Beautiful. Okay, I want to wrap this up with score prediction from both of you because I uh, I like score predictions and uh, the Friday show has gone on for an hour and fifteen minutes and they're meant to be only an hour long, but I guess we all like to talk. So, um, <laughs> Leon, I'm going to start with you. Give me a prediction. 
3-1 to the Blues. Nice. David? I'll go 2-0 City. Interesting. I'm going to go with 5-0. Now, really, I I, I think that... uh, I think that last week saw, uh, I saw, going to use that word again, saw brutality in uh, in the way City played last last weekend that kind of reminded me of around that period where we put seven past Stoke last season, where I just feel like they're going to want to go out there and score goals. And once they get one, they're going to want to score another and another and another and another. And uh, and and I can see us really punishing wolves, and also I think wolves are maybe a weak in in the uh, in the centre back position. I think it's I think they can be I think they can be got at. So uh, so yeah, why not predict five nil? Hey, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Right. So, yeah. right, um, Leon, thank you so much for waking up so early and doing this. My pleasure. Apologies for the uh, the. Wi-Fi loss for a moment. Mate, it's cool. That's the joys of a live recording of podcasting. Everybody gets to hear all of the technical gremlins as they happen. <laughs> um, David, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers, Sam. Thanks. To everybody who listened, thank you very much. This was the Friday show on the 9320 podcast. If you don't know about the 9320 player, go and check it out. We did 120-something podcasts last season related to City, related to football. Cost £4 a month. You can sign up on our website, 9320.com. If you just want the free content, we'll be back next Friday with another Friday show uh, for the 9320 members. There will be a review coming on Monday. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. And as always, up the blues.